welcome to FICP's podcast series, FICP Focus 45. FICP is the only international NGO whose membership consists entirely of IP attorneys in private practice. The FICP global community is driven by a shared interest among like-minded people to promote common solutions and advocacy for private practice. The FICP business family makes the world a little bit smaller, bringing independent IP attorneys from around the globe together to focus on IP issues of global importance. Our host is Louis-Pierre Gravel, a registered patent agent and partner at Bereskin & Par in Montreal, Canada. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to FICP's webinar and podcast series, FICP Focus 45. My name is Louis-Pierre Gravel, and I'm a partner at Bereskin & Par in Montreal, Canada. I'm a registered patent agent in Canada and the United States, and I work in the fields of quantum technology, AI, telecommunications, mechanical engineering, and information technology. One of the recurring topics for professionals is business development, and there is an enduring myth that only a few people have the skills to do it, or even do it properly. We are joined today by Michael Levins from the firm bd for ip Michael worked for Marks & Clerk for seven years before starting his own firm. He's a business development coach and will set the stage today for a continued conversation in London at FICB's 21st Open Forum in October from the 4th to the 7th. Welcome, Michael, to the program. Thank you, Lupia. It seems everywhere you turn, one keeps hearing about business development in the professional services firms, and particular IP firms. So what is BD and why has it become so important? Business development is uh, essentially the lifeblood um, for each of, of the firms uh, that we work for. Um, so um, without some form of business development activity taking place, uh, nothing happens and we, and we can't actually secure any, any clients until that has taken place. Having said that, it's, it's an umbrella term. I think for those people who are perhaps wary of it or even fearful of it, um, it's tempting to think that business development, we, we tend to think of it singularly, but it's, it's an umbrella term that covers a number of different activities, uh, which are yeah, far reaching. I know we immediately think of networking. Um, indeed, we always think of new business development, but business development will also, con uh, will also include client management, client retention, client growth, uh, as well as a number of other areas. The reason it's important and increasingly important is because the world is changing um, and the world of, uh, of intellectual property law is changing along with it. And whereas perhaps 30 years ago, there were, I don't know, let's say there were, if I, if I speak about the UK and I say there were 50 IP firms uh, 30 years ago, um, there were probably twice that amount now. Um, so quite simply, it's, I think with the changing of, of technology, it's made it easier for people to, to set up um, their own firms. And certain individuals have left, uh, you know, these larger firms where they've been fairly uh, uh, safe and steady for a number of years, and they've decided to break away and, and, and do things their own way. Uh, and of course, with the introduction of the, of the internet and things like that, they've so easily been able to um, set up things such as what we're doing today uh, in terms of putting their message out there uh, and having websites and so on and so forth. Right. So business development is very large, a little fuzzy, uh, amorphous notion that that's what gets people into the door to your firm or your business to keep your people busy. In different firms, people have different skills, have different uh, aptitudes. If someone were to go on a business development strategy, for example, what would be the first place to start? What, what do you need to do 
first and foremost? I think the very first thing to do is um, you're going to be embarking on a, a business development journey. Certainly prior to the introduction of GPS, if we were ever actually traveling on a journey, we would always look to, to map out our journey in advance and think about where we were going and how we were going to get there. So the best place for people to, to start is to actually write um, a, a business development plan so that you have some idea um, on day one of where exactly it is uh, that you are going, what exactly is it that you are trying to achieve, uh, what kind of business development strategy are you putting in place. Again, don't be um, thrown by the use of that word. We're quite simply saying, how are you intending to do this? Um, and where are you hoping to do this? Uh, and if, if you're working in a firm where they already have clients, which presumably would be the case, um, you would want to think about, um, well, how did we win these clients? So rather than thinking you're venturing into the unknown, you should always ask the people around you, well, you know, how, how did we win these clients? Can you tell me a little bit about that? So, um, so that's a good thing as well. But, but putting a plan in place is really the very best place to start so that, because we also know that time can be, you know, there are time constraints for, for many people. So it, it should be seen as, as comforting that if there is a limited period of time uh, to which you can apply in your working week for business development activity, um, you should take comfort in the fact that at least you know you are doing things which relate directly to your own plan. And, and how detailed does this plan need to be? I mean, do we need to go into here are the top 5, 10, 50 clients of the firm? Here's what we need to do or here's what I need to do within the overall work of the firm in the next year. And then here's the top three, four or five targets that I have in mind, how am I going to get to speak to those people? Does it, does it need to go into that much detail or does it need to be more of a compass, more of a, here's the direction I want to go in? It, it can be either of those things. There are, of course, business plans where you'll be doing it for an individual, uh, where maybe it will be a, a departmental or, or a division uh, business plan, or depending on the size of your firm, you know, the, the firm could have one. In the 20 years I've been working in intellectual property, far fewer firms actually have a written business development plan in place than you might think. Um, but in terms of what you were saying there about, well, these are the people that we're working with today, um, I think that's important because, uh, as we mentioned um, just a moment ago, um, business development uh, can also revolve around um, client retention, and that's really important. So um, part of your plan would be to make sure that your clients are, are content and are in, indeed are happy. And one reason for that is because we, of course, won't be the only individuals or the only firms who will be uh, conducting business development activity. And our clients, by definition, are everybody else's prospective clients. And when you think of it like that, you think, oh, you're right. So I do need to pay attention. So just winning a client, that's great. But we need to revisit that client on a regular basis and make it quite clear that we are as keen and enthused about that relationship and the work that we're doing with them um, today after five years uh, as we were on day one. So that's interesting. And I think you, the word relationship came out uh, of, your, of your comments just now quite a few times. What do you mean by relationship? What, why is that important? What, what are you trying to get at? Well, it's important because maybe one way to look at it would be this. From, from now on, when, when anybody who's, who's engaged in our call today, when you hear business development, from now on, I think you should think relationship development. Um, and there'll always be an exception to the rule, of course, but nine times out of 10, you're not going to get the business before you've got the relationship. So what you're looking to do is uh, if, if, you, if you were trying to secure the services of a, or the work of, of, a, of a large pharmaceutical company in the US or something like that, it's not actually 
that organization that will give you the work. It's the individual that you are speaking to who will give you the work. No matter the size of the prospect, it's always going to be people that you are looking to, to, uh, to make that connection with. And because of the importance of, of what we're working with, you're, you're just about never going to find any in-house counsel who are going to give business to a stranger, um, to someone that they don't understand, and arguably to someone that they don't even like. So you, your uh, path is, is, is to, to make sure that you become known and liked and trusted by the people uh, uh, with whom that you are hoping to engage further down the line. So the relationship is absolutely key in that regard. And, and I think you just said three things that are super important. You need to be known. So to a certain extent, you need to get out of your office. You need to get out of the firm and be out there one way or another. The second, you need to be trusted. And, and that, I think, is another really important aspect of it. People will tend to gravitate towards people they trust, inevitably, I think. And so if you can be trusted, and we can talk about how that translates into the relationship later, but trust is important. And likability, of course, I think everyone wants to be liked, and it's a lot easier to, to work with someone that you like than it is for someone that you don't necessarily appreciate or like all that much. And, and I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, it is a relationship. I think there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a particular exception to, to what you've just uh, outlined, and that is winning business through a request for proposal. And, and I don't want to get into RFPs today because that could be a topic in and of itself. But would you agree that RFPs are a little thing that is aside from what we're talking about today? Uh, yes, they're, they're, they're quite unusual. Um, and I think there can be sometimes a sense of frustration when they come in. Uh, they require an awful lot of work. Um, and, and typically the guidelines that you aren't allowed to, to communicate with people within that organization. So if you've progressed through your career so far thinking that it's all about relationships, and it is, then an RFP doesn't really make any, any sense. Um, and there's, there's one other uh, angle that you can look at in, in that regard, which is that as you go around building these great connections with people from time to time, it's quite possible that you could receive a referral uh, from, from a mutual contact. And, and the reason that that's so uh, important um, and something that we should all be striving to get is because it allows you to, to leapfrog um, a period of time where typically you would be looking to build a sense of trust and credibility and likability with these people. Because, if, trust, because, because in, in a case of a referral, trust is inferred or it's implied. Because you have a trusted relationship with someone, that someone is confident enough to refer you to someone that they know based on that trusted relationship, right? Yes. And those two will have, they will have that trusted relationship already. And then as a result, they will choose to place their trust. Typically in the business world, we will look to build trust in others over a period of time. But if somebody is, is, is uh, making a referral, then as you said, it's, um, it's, it's just something where you think, okay, well, in which case I'll, I'll automatically just choose to place trust in this individual. Um, and it could be that maybe you, you might need to do that for a particular, you know, particular reason. And I think another point also, maybe we're leapfrogging some of the topics we wanted to address today, but one of the other things that has become effective in some firms is to get the professionals. And we're, we're, today we're dealing with the role of the professional within a, an IP firm. But to get the professionals to reach out to their, their trusted clients and ask for referral, because referral business, as you said, to a certain extent, shortcuts the investment of time and effort that you would otherwise need to put in to build a relationship. Yes, absolutely. 
when I speak to my clients about something like that, I'll often refer to arguably maybe a quite a lighthearted approach, but I'll say, for example, so Louis Pierre, when you think of who are the, the, the greatest members of the Louis Pierre fan club, you know, who are the people who think the most highly of you within the IP world? And you'll say, well, it's these guys, these guys, these guys. And then you think, well, look, if these, if these are people that we know would speak, would speak well of you, then uh, perhaps we could reach out. We could just explain, you know, as we, as we're turning into 2023, we're looking to expand the department. We've recently, you know, hired a, a new member of the team. We're looking to do this. We're looking to do that, to do that. And we're looking to identify new companies with which, uh, you know, we can strike up a, a working relationship. If you know anybody within your own connections, anyone within your own um, circle with whom you think, you know, maybe, maybe they're looking to, uh, to identify new uh, Canadian council, you know, would you be kind enough to keep us in mind? Um, so, so something like that could, um, could certainly uh, happen, yes. We also understand, at least intuitively, that, you know, people are different. People have different strengths, different capabilities. Now I've, I've decided I'm going to start doing business development. I've, I've written my plan. Now I need to go out and start executing on this plan. Do I need to put on my superhero business development cape when I leave the office? Not quite. Um, and yet at the same time, if you were going to, the, the idea is that if there were 10 of you in the department, you'd each have one in the cloakroom. So this is not a one size fits all scenario. I think part of putting your plan uh, together, and again, realistically, you would want to do that with, with somebody else. You would want to do it either with a business development professional or with a senior partner within your firm. You would want to make sure that you had identified what you felt that you were capable of doing. So for example, um, I think the most common way that people look at business development um, from afar is to think of going into a networking scenario and asking people for business, which isn't actually what we do. But, but nevertheless, that's what they can think that they're doing. And you could have, I've, I've met people in the past who have thought that the idea of going into a networking event and, and speaking to strangers or making small talk with strangers is just the most awful thing that they could possibly uh, contemplate. And yet those same individuals are... Um, very happy uh, in a round table situation, very happy to be managing client relationships. I can think of somebody right now who, um, again, really didn't ever want to go into a networking situation, um, but, but was um, very highly regarded by their three biggest clients. And he was responsible for each of those relationships. Other people may not be good at that either, but they, are, they have a real talent for writing fantastic articles or could work together with other people in a committee or something to put together a white paper. So when you are putting together the plan, you are trying to identify, again, looking under this, this umbrella of, of business development and looking at all the different things that make up business development as a whole, you're looking to identify what you are already capable of, particular strengths, and then things that, that you feel will be important. You're okay at them, but you would like to be better. So by all means, grab that cape and go out there and be the best that you can be. But before you step out, you're already having an understanding of uh, which part of the jigsaw you're, you're prepared to be when it comes to the firm's overall business development uh, strategy. I'm getting from the conversation today, and I, and I hope this is transpiring through to the, to the listeners. There's no magic potion, right? There's no wand to help conjure up work at the flick of a wrist. Most, yes, absolutely correct, Yes. There's, there's, there's no magic there involved at all. It's, it's just something, I mean, again, there will always be an exception to the rule, but, but, but typically if we were to do a, a blanket survey now of 100 um, in-house counsel and we asked how many of them had ever given business to external counsel 
upon meeting them, you know, on day one, it's obviously going to be, well, nobody, you know, we've never done that. They were effectively strangers. We had no way of knowing who these people were and, you know, different qualities that they had and whether they had any understanding of the work that we do. So no, there's an awful lot uh, more that, 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 that comes to it. And I think typically if you said, how long had you known these people before you engaged them? To be honest, you'd, you'd be looking at years rather than weeks or months. So again, for anyone on our call today who's perhaps at the beginning of their journey, if you feel any sense of pressure about winning business when you go to events, please stop thinking like that. Um, nobody expects you to do that. Um, I do not expect you to do that. And it's, it's highly unlikely. The idea is that before you step into an event, nobody knows you. And then by the end, some of those people will have met you. And then you build on that. And you build and you build and you build. I can think of one uh, example, if I can just um, squeeze this in. Uh, obviously, uh, doing this event with you today, but uh, here in the UK, we have uh, CIPA, C-I-P-A. And uh, I met um, uh, and spoke with them in 2018. And they were saying, oh, it would be great if you could come and, 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 and do some, um, some talks regarding business development for us. And they started a few weeks ago. <laughs> we did one just before Christmas, uh, doing another one. Um, next month, uh, and uh, they have a student conference taking place uh, in April, and I'll be speaking in person at that event. Um, but the idea is that this has been um, a five-year process. Granted, we've had uh, the, the pandemic during that time. But the point is that you, you have patience and tenacity, which are both absolutely key uh, qualities within business development. And you understand that um, there is a way to do that so yes be patient but be tenacious as well um and uh, and then things will will come together it, one of the comparisons that is often or sometimes made is that business or relationship development as you called it is is a little bit like planting seeds in the ground um, you can't just plant them and then six months later hope that somewhat something's going to grow you need to tend to them to a certain extent you need to take care of them um, and at some point, one or more of those seeds are going to grow. I think to further that analogy, I think from what you're saying in terms of identifying your strengths, identifying the areas where you're good at, is that not everyone's planting seeds in the same field, or, or we're not all planting the same kinds of seeds. We're planting different mm -hmm. seeds in different, in different grounds, and different people will have different aptitudes to, to take care of them. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, what you want is you want all of those fields to be filled with, with thriving plants, for example. Um, yes, absolutely. So patience and tenacity, I think those are, those are important. I think you're right. Some people have, for lack of a better word, inertia when it comes to um, starting down a business development path. It, you know, it, it's, it's nice or it's good to say, I'm starting today. You may even get to drafting a plan Sometimes you need just a little bit more to to really get you out and executing on our plan. What would be one strategy or one thing you could do to help you along with that? I think for a lot of people who who struggle with that, and as you said, actually launching out, I think it's if I liken it for the for the purpose of this conversation, if I liken it to anybody who wants to take up running or anybody who wants to to lose a few pounds, perhaps or kilograms. I think <laughs> it's usually a good idea to work together with somebody else. So as you know, if you're, if you're looking to take up um, 
running in the new year, then a lot of people will look to join a running club uh, or perhaps start running with somebody from work or something like that. And similarly, with, uh, uh, with weight loss, people will join a weight loss group and they'll have, so it'll be Weight Watchers or Slimming World or something, because it is proven that when we do those kind of things together with other people, um, the chances of success are increased. Um, so that seems to happen quite a lot. And that, that helps uh, uh, to, to, to do that, certainly. So I'm saying about doing it with, with groups, but, but I think getting together with somebody and, and, and yes, as you say, use, having someone who is essentially a BD buddy uh, would be great. So if in your firm you have somebody who you feel is, uh, has a good understanding of, uh, of uh, business development, again, it might be a, a partner, a senior partner, you may have a business development representative within the firm. The idea is that you can work together with somebody like that. So uh, meeting with them once a month, perhaps, and holding each other. Uh, if, it, if it is another attorney then, then, um, uh, or another uh, agent, then you, the idea is that you're looking to, uh, to hold each other accountable to what it is that you're looking to do. So I think that that's really important so that you actually begin and then you understand that this is a path, it's a journey, and it, and it is going to take time. It's also never-ending. This is, this is not a... It is not something that you should turn to every now and again, and certainly not something you should do on the back of losing a client. That's, that's arguably the worst time because the whole, the beauty of doing business development all the time is that you won't ever sound like you particularly want something. If you do it because you've lost a client or you're suddenly under a tremendous amount of pressure to bring a client in, you're not going to come across right. You're going to, you're going to sound too desperate and uh, you're, you're going to sound like somebody who's simply trying to pursue uh, business more than you are trying to strike up connections. And there are plenty of friendships to be had uh, within this industry, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you end up uh, sourcing business because of a friendship, well, then great. But um, you don't want to get to the end of your career and not make any friends across the entire IP community um, just for fear of being misunderstood. So, and, and I think you're touching on a point that sometimes increases the inertia of of people in actually going out and doing things, and that is disappointments. Mm-hmm. You have spent time and effort developing a relationship. All of a sudden, you see the work go to someone else, one of your competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with this? How do you, what do you do next? I mean, okay, so you said losing a client is not a good opportunity to get back on the horse and go do business development because you're just going to end up perhaps sounding not as sincere or transparent as you should, but how do you deal with this? I think it's, it's like an awful lot of uh, other things in life. I think you just accept that, that nobody in, in, in the real world um, just marches through life with just endless success. It doesn't work that way. And, and we should maybe take, um, we should take comfort from the fact that we don't really learn anything from success. Uh, many famous um, sports stars uh, have, quotes often attached to them. I think there's a famous Michael Jordan one. I'm not going to be able to, to quote it exactly, but he, in, in short, he, he quotes about half a dozen um, statistics of things that he got wrong, um, shots that he missed, um, and, and, and things that went wrong. He said, and this is why I succeed. So I think the, the bigger picture is to understand that nobody's understanding you to win business from everybody that you speak to. Um, that's just ridiculous. That That's, that's not... Uh, at all, you know, likely to be the case. I would never want to say that this is a numbers game. And yet on the back of what we're talking about now, you, you understand that you can't possibly, if you say, although I'd love to work for that company and look, and there's the guy that works there, you can't just make him your one goal of the year. That would be ridiculous. So you, you do need to broaden this out and understand that you might need to, um, you know, you want to meet 
let's say 100 people a year or 50 people a year, depending on who you are, where you go and so on and so forth. But having a number of people that you can speak to because you understand that you won't win business from all of them. Um, but as I said, you don't really learn uh, from success and you certainly don't learn as much as you will from your, uh, I think failures might be a bit harsh, but certainly from your, your, your disappointments. And if you lose uh, business to, to another firm, there'll be a reason for that. Um, and maybe not on the day, but, but at some point you will want to learn more and you may look to speak to them and just say, can I just gain some understanding as to why you, you decided not to work with us on that occasion? And and they'll tell you, hopefully, and then you will learn from that. But nobody, all the other things that we would do, if we have patent professionals here in the room today, nobody sat down and absolutely nailed their first set of claims, right? We, we just didn't. Of course we didn't. Um, so we just understand that this is, this is a journey that we're on, and there will be uh, peaks and troughs, and, and, and you know some things will go well, others won't, and it's all fine. That's all perfectly okay, because as we progress, we will do uh, better things and we will learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And I, I think you're right on that. But if I can add something, it, it's also important to noticing that there has been a mistake or there's a disappointment is one thing, but learning from it sometimes is not that easy. And, and sometimes you need to have just a little bit of introspection and ask yourself, you know, why didn't this go, go right? Reach out to the person who made the decision, maybe not right away, wait a little bit for the dust to settle uh, and get some feedback from it. But I think those are all really, really good points. And I think there, you know, there, there needs to be a sort a sense of maybe not humility, but certainly humanity in that we're all humans at the end of the day. And, and sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes things don't go the way we plan them. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's just life. And we need to get back up and, and, and move forward and yet, yeah. yet learn from it. I think it's tough in our industry because I think a lot of IP professionals being who they are, they've often spent a lot of their life being told that they're the smartest person in the room. And, and so it's particularly tough to suddenly suffer a fall when, when, when you think, oh, that's never happened before. Whereas to a sales professional, for example, you just absolutely understand that it's an integral part of your journey and you, and you can't win them all. It's just, but it's not something to be fearful of and you will learn from it and you'll get back up and you'll dust yourself down and you'll move forward. And, and people, even if you assume that, that clients will maybe look to review external counsel every three years, every five years. Um, so even if you didn't get it on that one occasion, you know, it will come around again soon enough. Um, so we're, I, I'd like to invite this, the participants to ask questions either in the chat or the, or the Q and A more than happy to, to entertain your questions. Maybe as we start winding things down, um, you know, I think you, you've covered a lot of points, and I think um, there hasn't been any, you know, earth-shattering revelations in in what we've discussed today. I think the idea is you need to start. First of all, you need to start. You need to make a plan, and you need to implement that plan and execute on that plan, knowing that there are going to be challenges, there are going to be disappointments, but you need to keep at it. Tenacity. And, and tenacity is not necessarily like, you know, uh, hanging on to something for dear life. Consistency, being constant at it, being just, um, you know, don't let it go. Take care of it all the time. Just make sure you're tending to it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and particularly, I think there are some people that will go out into the, uh, into the IP world, as it were, and they will think that... Some people are just comfortable going into that room and they can talk to people. For those who are less comfortable, 
um, part of your plan and part of this, this early process now is to decide who you want to be. Think about when you are attending a networking event, for example, think of three things about you that you know that you would be comfortable to talk about. Um, and then think about three things, maybe from a business perspective, you would be happy to, 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 to talk about. So if you're, if you have a particular passion regarding maybe sports uh, or you have a strong interest in um, learning languages or attending a Thai cookery course or something like that, feel free to, you, you just know that that's in your pocket. That's something that I can talk about when I go to this event. But if you make those decisions before you go into these areas, it, it just, I mean, you know, maybe three will keep you quite <laughs> tightly boundaried after a while, but, but think in advance. So you prepare in advance rather than just wandering in and then realizing you hate it and then standing in the corner and twiddling with your phone for the next 20 minutes. I think you just said something really important here, which is preparation. Business development doesn't happen magically. It's actually prepared. It's actually something that you think about before. It's something mm. you do during. And it's something you need to do after, for example, uh, a networking event, right? Absolutely. Um, if we're going to events, um, a really good one, one of the one of the we probably all experienced this. You'll you'll go to an event and you can receive emails from people that you know in truth they're kind of following up with you afterwards, but they're written in such a way where you think you could have cut and pasted that same email to all 50 people that you met last night, and that doesn't really make me feel very special. I was kind of hoping that. Because like you and I had a conversation, we spoke about this and we spoke about that. So when you go to these events, even client meetings to a degree, when you leave, get your phone out. Every smartphone now has a voice recorder on it and just essentially brain dump everything that you learned at that event. And if you spoke to a couple of people and they maybe mentioned things about you know their family or something that they're doing this weekend or whatever it is, capture that information because... If you think of these relationships, but all you've ever got is the basic information that you'll have on a business card, that's not going to get you very far. The thing that helps you to develop and build a relationship is the meat on the bones um, of, of that relationship. So finding out more about people. Um, and it means that when you meet people again, it's not that you would repeat verbatim everything that they said to you before, because that would be creepy and, and wrong. But for you to be able to make light reference to, oh, hi, no, I think when we spoke before, you mentioned this or you mentioned that, and it's helpful. And then when you're doing your own follow-up emails, you would also make um, light reference to uh, something that you had discussed. Um, and it's polite and it's professional just to say, oh, I remember you because we, we spoke about this, this, and this. Um, so, yes, th there's a lot more to it. But, of course, within our 45-minute uh, window, that's, that's certainly a, a good sort of snapshot of that, yes. Yeah. But I think that's really important. And that leads me to a question. And there are two questions in the chat or the, the Q&A, which I will ask you. But the first one, which just comes to mind because I, wanted, I want to, to dovetail on what you just said, Get that information, that brain dump that you, that you have, where do you put that information? And is a CRM, for example, the place to put that information? Uh, ideally, if it's a good, clean recording, um, and if you're lucky enough to have an assistant that would be prepared to to transcribe it for you, or then ask somebody to do that. It's not always a bad idea to do it yourself because when you listen back to your own notes, it helps you to relive that moment and to think about what happened. And this is, this, this is the modern day equivalent of getting that card and a pen and desperately trying to write all these tiny notes on, on the back of a business card, which maybe in the moment made sense. But when you eventually look at that card again, three weeks later, and maybe it's got a bit of smudge on it and you think, what the hell did I mean by that? And, and I've often 
seen that or even experienced that myself. So, but you're taking that information. Uh, you want to capture it somewhere, yes. So either as part of a CRM database, if your firm has one, but perhaps if you're keeping your own record, uh, any kind of a document um, uh, or, or spreadsheet or anything that you may choose for your own records. But, but, but capturing it is certainly important. And then if you're going to that event again, and in fact, ideally, if you can put that information where you can gain access to it uh, from your phone, that would be helpful. Something I know I've done on previous occasions over the, the 20 years or so I've been working in IP is that I've spotted someone across a room and I knew I knew something about them. <laughs> and I would look at my phone and I would remind myself, oh, that's right. This is the thing that we spoke about before. Because, you know, we can't all remember everything all the time. That's not a realistic uh, idea. So uh, it can be really helpful to do that. But capture it and build on it. This is the whole point. Use information so that each time you're going back to that event or meeting with that person again, you are, you are slowly building upon the foundations that you laid when you first met with them. So the, this is an easy one for you. I'm, I'm just going to lob it very, very gently into your side of the court. Can you comment on the advantages, if any, of hiring a BD professional who is not necessarily an IP attorney? Is it worth the cost? A BD professional who is not an IP attorney? Yes. I think that would describe probably the majority of people who, who provide, uh, certainly specifically uh, BD um, services, you, you don't need to know it. And, and my gut reaction is you don't need to know, or they do not need to know um, the BD, sorry, the, the IP side, or, or basically to have a, a history as a patent attorney. The client typically is a patent attorney, and we are dovetailing in the middle. The reason that they're engaging a BD professional at all is because BD is the area that they want help. Somebody, if, if you take me as an example, because I'm here, 20 years of working in an industry and seven years of working in-house with, you know, with a, with a large firm um, of patent and trademark attorneys, as I did, will tell you a tremendous amount about the mindset of an IP professional and where uh, many IP professionals fall down uh, and, and need help. So it's you're, the, the reason that most patent professionals will reach out to working with somebody like me is because the wiring of a, of a patent professional's mind is different from that of somebody who specializes in business development. The reason you reach out to somebody like me is because you want to add to what you've already got. You don't want another one of you. That's not going to help. <laughs> and the wiring is typically different. So to find someone who used to be a patent attorney and then said, oh, I know, I'm going to be a business development professional. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't offer the same thing, put it that way. Although some people could do it, I suppose. Um, yes. They, yeah, they it's, may it's, have natural aptitudes for it. But I think generally, and I think, you're, I think you, you've nailed it in that IP attorneys generally, competence is assumed. Uh, knowledge is assumed. Mm. We're all supposed to be good at what we do. Sometimes excellent uh, at what we do or, or you know, the top 1,000 or the top 300 in the world, whatever. Mm. But whereas sometimes... IP attorneys need a little bit of help is in getting that other side of the equation, which is, you know, that, that relationship aspect, the business, the relationship management development aspect. That's sometimes where we can have need a little bit of help and people like you can really bring a lot of value to, to the efforts. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly that, but it's, it's a, it's a jigsaw. It's, it's, it's another piece to help you to be bigger and better than, than what you were before. So that's, that's why you would want, um, any BD, you know, professional that you, uh, and it's, and you want to, 
to like and trust this person. It, the fact that I do what I do and I've done it for as long as I have, if for some reason there's not a good chemistry between me and that person, then I probably wouldn't want to work with them and they probably wouldn't want to work with me. So it, it's still a very personal decision at the end of the day as to, as to who works together. Um, but, but if the suggestion of the person who asked the question is, you know, is it, is it helpful for them to also be, um, to have, uh, history as, as a patent professional? I don't think, uh, it's, I don't think it's important for them to have that. Um, but, um, but sure. If that's, if that's what, what the situation is. Yeah. We're getting up to, to 45. One question, if you could briefly address it, you've mentioned RFPs. Do you have any suggestions on how to bring the relationship aspect into an RFP process where ultimately we know or think that the RFP is purely a numbers and capabilities or capacity issue? I think, um, mindful of the, <laughs> the window of time that we have left, I think all I could say for that is that it's always, um, it's typically a procurement team that muscled their way into that situation and say, oh, I think we're going to do you know, we're going to do this, this, and this. There does need to be a good relationship, I think, between um, an in-house team and their external counsel. So um, I don't always think that RFPs are a great way to go. I think all you can do is to highlight in your response that you believe that this is very important. And whilst you were, you were being asked to answer certain questions today, I, th I think all you can do is just, just convey how important you believe that that relationship is. Um, I certainly know with, with my clients, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but I know with my clients, the relationship is extremely important um, so that we can so that we can work together. Um, and I think that's exactly the same. RFPs are an oddity in that respect. But, but I think the best you can do is to say, look, you know, we're answering these questions. But one of the first things we would look to do is to make sure that we have a, a really clear understanding of what works best for these individuals and how we can make their working day easier day by day. One last question rankings, IAM 1000, uh, top 300 strategists, uh, best lawyers. There's a whole slew of them. Are they useful? Are they not useful? Some are pay to play, some are not. Where do you land on this? This would be a very personal response. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I really don't place any importance on them at all. I know the, the people who think they're the most important are the attorneys, we all want to think that we're working in, in the top tiers and that's fine. But again, if we were going out and doing a survey of, of top 100 in-house counsel and you say, how did you choose counsel? Well, we went straight to the tiers and we wanted to see who was the top tier. I don't believe it works that way. I think people meet people and those people within reason can work anywhere. You could be in a tier two or tier three firm, but if you, in your conversations with these people, with this team, if you come across as the right kind of people for them and they get a good feel for you and your team and they believe that you are their guys, then um, then you will win the business. And and I don't think, I think, put it this way, there are plenty of, of firms in the top tiers who lose clients through poor client management and lose opportunities because they didn't do it right. So, um, and as you say, the pay to play as well, they're not, they, they play no part in a business development strategy, in my opinion. So wherever you are, whether you're disappointed that you're in the threes and fours instead of the ones and twos, um, I wouldn't worry about it. Just Just keep playing your game and keep giving it your best shot. One of the things we hear from time to time regarding rankings is, um, you're right, maybe they're not going to be the, the, the first source that someone's going to crack open when they're looking for representation in another country or 
even in their own jurisdiction. But does the presence in one of these rankings um, or the placement in the rankings, does that give comfort ultimately to the decider or does it allow the decider to go back to his or her superiors and say, look, by the way, um, not only do we have a super relationship with this person, but look, they're in this, they're in this directory of the top 1000 in the world. I think, yeah, I think it's like a lot of things. If you want to use that information, then you will use that information. And if that information doesn't suit you to use it, because, you know, you're either a tier three or a tier tier four firm, well, then you wouldn't use it. And that applies to, I did one of these sessions a while ago and someone said, that they weren't happy with their title. Their title was, you know, it was trainee this or junior that, and they didn't like it. I said, well, then don't use it. Don't use it. Either ask for it to be uh, removed from your business cards. And if your firm won't do that, stop using your business cards. If you're taking control of your relationships, you don't need to go around with your cards. The important thing when you meet people is to say, I've enjoyed meeting you and I'd like to stay in touch. Do you have a card I can take? Yeah. But, but, but use information that you want to use. And if you're uh, if I was representing a firm and we were a tier one firm, you're right. It would probably come up in conversation, wouldn't it? <laughs> but but if I'm working for a tier four firm, even though you know we think we're a good bunch of guys, but there we are, tier four. Well, it's clearly nothing to boast about, and therefore we won't mention it. But generally, do I think it's important? No, not particularly. I think you'll. It's like it's like a number of other things. If you feel it's a good thing to talk about, you will. But otherwise, it doesn't matter. It's all about people and relationships and response times and quality of work and so on and so forth. And I think you just said one other thing that I think is important when we're when you're looking at the the umbrella of business or development or relationship development or business development. Mm. And that is as individuals, we need to take control. We need to own it, for lack of a better word, and we need to make sure that we are following our plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. The, the plan is is everything. It's 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 not always something that people seem instinctively keen to do, but it's always the first thing I'm going to recommend that people do. You have to know if you're going to embark on a journey, you need to know what that journey is, and, and where are you going, and why. What are you trying to achieve, and 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 why? It's it's. But yes, ideally, uh, but do it and do it. Uh, if you work in a firm um, today where you don't presently know how you won your uh, the, the firm won its best clients. Ask the partners in your firm to do a lunch and learn session next week and have one or two of them stand up at the front and say, as you know, we work with blogs, pharmaceuticals. I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that came around. And if you really want that session to truly shine and they can be brave enough to do it, they should also share experiences of where things went horribly wrong and they lost an opportunity as well. Because it's great for uh, for IP professionals to, to learn, not just from people like from, from me, uh, but also from um, one of their own as it were, where they can actually hear uh, people in their own firm explain, this is how it happened. Um, it, it's really helpful. That's a great way to close our conversation. So make sure that you're you're reaching out to the people in your firm that have done this, that you perceive to be successful, organize a lunch and learn, get them to talk about their successes, but also importantly, talk about things that went wrong, because that's, as Michael said earlier, that's where the learning really comes in. And that's how you can eventually change behaviors or change approaches to not repeat the same things that led to the loss of a client or a disappointment or whatever you want to call it. On that note, Michael Evans, thank you very, very much for your participation today. I will remind everyone that Michael will be uh, speaking at the uh, Open Forum in London in early October 2023. The topic will be slightly different there. 
Uh, you can find all of the information on the FICB website. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Louis Pierre. Thank you, everybody. If you have any questions about the topics discussed in this podcast, you can sign up for free and message us, ficp.org. You can also find out more of what's to come on the FICP Focus 45 podcast series, either on the events page of our website, LinkedIn, or via our newsletter. See you next time.